Hi, this is Jeff Langston. Welcome to our Releasing Potential podcast. Here, music industry experts share their experiences of working in the industry, including their tips to support your journey of turning your passion for music into a business. And today I am delighted to welcome Rachel B. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Good to have us with you today. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, a good start would be for you to tell us a bit about your journey in music in uh, whichever way you choose to. Well, it's quite a long and potted history, so I'll try and just stick to the broad sweeps because um, I've been working in music now for um, over 30 years. I can't quite believe that. It makes me sound very old. Um, I, probably, I am very old, but um, yeah, so um, I started out as a club promoter um and ran some of the you know really big black music nights in london in the early 90s um along the way met um trevor nelson okay. and um ended up running a lot of club events with him basically i was kind of like one of his main promoters for well kind of over 20 years really in fact i only stopped doing new year's eve parties with him about uh, eight years ago um, and he's still one of my, my very good mates um, and um, and then so from club promotion I <clears throat> I actually got into um, radio and TV presenting okay. as well so I um, interviewed artists for um, programs like The Word, which was a show, a radio show on KISS at the time, and D-Energy, which was a show on Radio One, um, and did lots of kind of features on, uh, across all the BBC networks, really, as a radio um, presenter and journalist. And then I got into working in TV, um as as a presenter which led me to setting up kiss tv first time around um and so then i worked in tv for a few years um and at that time we didn't have as much bandwidth on the airwaves mm -hmm. so kiss tv was actually just two hours every night on another channel um and then that got closed down you know uh before its kind of reincarnation as kiss tv as you know it now um and then um i did the mtv lick parties with trevor and we toured those all over europe um for about five or six years and and did some massive events with huge um american artists um guesting you know destiny's child and jay-z and black eyed peas and you know lo loads of massive american artists as guests um and when the lick parties came to an end um we just took the decision to um to to end that chapter um i was looking for something else to do that didn't involve staying up to three in the morning <laughs> and um uh, a very good friend of mine um who was an a and r was also running 
um, a little event called I Love Live um, and we were talking about how we could kind of take it to the next level and long story short um, I got involved in running I Love Live and kind of took that over from her because she was really busy with her a and and didn't really have the time to dedicate it um, and turned that into um, a well we basically eventually ended up applying for funding and became a um a national portfolio organization supported by the arts council england um which then sort of allowed me to do more events and employ some people and kind of expand the brand um and i'm trying to remember where i got into management um oh do you know what i got into management actually initially um along that journey um I, I did an interview the other day and it reminded me that it was actually the same person who um sort of who i got involved with at i love live jade richardson also she was the person who got me into management because she was working at polydor records and i put together a girl group uh, called ladies first and was looking for a manager and i was running the mtv lick parties at the time and she um said she wanted kind of she wanted a female manager because it was a girl group and she kind of just thought oh that woman looks really interesting let me call her up <laughs> and see if she'd be interested in managing my girl group which is what exactly what happened and I went along and met them and yeah. um yeah I ended up managing them um and that was my sort of first foray into management and I guess that was sort of in my mid mid-20s um yeah my, around my mid-20s and then from there, um, I managed an artist called Aaron Sold, who was the first signing to Def Jam UK, and actually got headhunted to go in and set up Def Jam Records in the UK um, by Leo Cohen, actually, who was the founder of Def Jam in America. Yeah. And so I had sort of lots of clandestine secret meetings with him in London. And yeah, was drafted in to set up Def Jam Records in the UK um and was there i kept my own company going at the same time so i was in there um as well as running my own company um didn't stay beyond the initial um six month contract um because i felt like um it didn't really suit me mm -hmm. being confined sort of within a major label it's very uh it's very political mm. inside major labels especially sort of at that level um and um i did feel like it slightly was sucking the soul out of me <laughs> and um anyway so i left and then i set up my own promotions company and we did um uh you know I, it was funny because i went into def jam records i sort of said to leo look i've never sold a record in my life i don't really know anything about sell selling records and i came out six months later thinking oh my god i know so much about how <laughs> black music in this country i've never really yeah. realized how transferable my promotion skills as an event promoter were yeah. to the music industry at that time you know for instance you know i could put a new release on the back of a million flyers across the uk sort of at the drop of a hat i knew every mm. promoter across the uk so you know for sort of peanuts and you know knew all of the record shops all of the specialist 
hairdressers, you know, because I've been promoting events for yeah. years and years. Yeah. And so I could really utilize all of that promo power to um, promote releases, to promote music as well. Um, and so, yeah, off the back of that, I set up my own um, promotions company and worked with artists like Miss Dynamite and the 411 and Big Brothers and Lamar. Um, and um, sort of specialised in breaking new black talent in the UK. Um, and uh, along the way, I had a magazine. I mean, I probably worked in every area sounds like of black music, <laughs> you know, that there is really wow. um, to work in. Um, and then, um, yeah, I'd managed some other artists um, along the way and um, learned some stuff and then kind of felt like I um, took a bit of a break, became a mum. Um, and then I was looking for another artist to manage, but I knew that I wasn't going to do it unless I found somebody that I really, really thought was special because mm. I know how much work it is. Um, mm. And then I met Izzy Bazoo. And um, I now that that's now my sort of primary focus. I've actually I actually stepped down from um, running I Love Live day to day um, in July last year. Yeah. We've now got an amazing new um, managing director, Victor, in place. Um, and um, yeah, my main focus is now on the management side of the business. And I mainly, we manage a, a bunch of artists, MOV, Angelo Dissons, Damshack, uh, Vibba, um, as well as Izzy. But I yeah. primarily just focus on Izzy and um, uh, John, who works with me on the management, focuses on the others, as well as helping me with Izzy. Fantastic. So that's yeah, that's, quite... a, that's a project three quite a history and uh, quite a few people amazing people that you've worked with over the years Rachel really interesting um, you've mentioned black artists quite a few times and you clearly have a great deal of experience working with black artists I just wondered at the moment how you're supporting them with their time their career their health particularly in respect of the ongoing media around BLM um, particularly since George Floyd uh, and I just wondered how you're approaching that to help them through this challenging time well i think that actually you know whether you know you're a black artist or just a black person you know i think that lots of people whilst it's been a really challenging time i also think it's um uh it's a it, exciting's the wrong word but it's a kind of it's been a real wake-up call to the industry and to people in general, mm. um, not just the music industry. Um, I think every com every major company now is doing unconscious bias training and there is, you know, everybody's talking about race, you mm. know, and, um, and that's really exciting, you know, mm. that it's kind of finally being aired. Um, so whilst obviously, you know, it was horrific and a tragedy, um you know i feel like out of that out of that those ashes has been born you know an incredible new movement and invigoration for looking mm. at um racial bias and um and that is much needed and um and really really exciting and um kind of felt like 
you know, I wrote an open letter, um, which I published on the I Love Live blog at the time about some of the experiences that I've had of working in black music over the years. And it was just, it's just really, really brilliant to sort of be able to sort of say it and call it for what it was and say, yeah. you know, yeah, we've, you know, when we've been putting together brochures to try and get sponsorship for I Love Live, we have been trying to find pictures that are, you know, less black, you know, like, mm. you know, our audience at I Love Live is, you know, never really less than 75% black. So, you know, for us, trying to attract sponsorship has been really hard. And, mm. you know, we've sort of, you know, like, you know, let's find some audience pictures where it looks, you know, like it's more mixed, where there's more white people, you know, can't make it look too yeah. black, you know, and it, um, and it's uh, sort of, it's really, you know, now I feel like brands need to be seen to be mm. supporting, you yeah. know, black events and black artists and black mm. endeavors. And so suddenly it's kind of like, it's okay to say, well, our audience is 75% black. Do you want to support yeah. us? You know? Um, yeah. And that is really nice to just, you know, be able to, to acknowledge that and say it out loud. And, you know, I felt really angry because even when I was trying to get club nights, you know, you know, for Trevor and, you know, venues sort of in my, you know, club history, mm. you know, trying to, um, you know, the, the club owners would always be, you know, well, what's your audience like? And basically they're saying to me, how many black people is it? You know, and yeah. I'll be oh, it's really mixed. It's really mixed, you know, knowing, you know, that it's primarily, uh, you know, I mean, it was quite mixed. The irony was, is that it was actually mixed, but because yeah. people are so unconsciously racially biased, if they're not used to being around black people, they would come into a venue and see a, a venue that was 50% black and 50% white. And they would think it was just all black people, mm. you know, and it, yeah. you know, and it really, it was actually genuinely quite mixed. I mean, maybe some of the nights were more black than white, but there was certainly, it was certainly, you know, mixed to some extent. Mm. But yeah, I think people are not aware of their unconscious bias and they just always, you know, if they saw that, they would feel that it was, you know, a completely black night. Mm. Um, and, you know, just sort of having to sort of downplay, you know. Crazy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so anyway, I think it's really nice that we are able to air all of these things. I think that, you know, there is um, a lot of awareness. There's a lot of promotions going on of black people yeah. to more senior positions in the music industry right now. So actually, I think it's really exciting times. And so I don't think that black artists are in a bad position. I think mm. actually they're probably in a better position than they've ever been. Yeah. I mean, yeah. actually, I've even heard of black artists that, would have probably been dropped had mm. it not been for you know the black lives matter movement yeah um I, you you you're probably right and uh it's great to see black artists growing and flourishing in so many organizations particularly in the music industry embracing diversity and inclusion and um, i'm just wondering what what your thoughts are around senior positions in the music industry because there are still few CEOs of large organizations that I can see across the world. Um, yeah, well, it's, um, it's interesting because um, at I Love Live, we have, um, you know, traditionally, you know, over the years, our workforce has been 
at, at least 70, 75% black. Um, and when we've advertised for job roles, because it's been via our networks, mm. we have primarily um, had black applicants. So mm. it's been quite easy. It hasn't been a struggle for me to employ black people. Um, it's, it's been quite easy. Um, and I felt sort of very early on, it's been fairly easy to employ black people because when we advertise roles, it's usually 80% black applicants that apply for the roles at I Love Live. Um, when I was looking for a managing director to take over I Love Live, that statistic completely flipped and it was 80% white applicants who applied. And um, we advertised it in all the same places that we would always advertise a job role at I Love Live. And that really made me realize that actually you know, it's a, it's a, it's a much deeper issue um, than, you know, companies just employing more black people at senior roles. It's about, you know, creating pathways and training and mentorship to make sure that um, black people feel able to apply for those more senior roles. Um, and I, because I'm white and because John, who works with me, um, who's the general manager at I Love Live is white, I really felt very strongly that I wanted to have a black MD for I Love Live. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was, that was quite challenging that we had so few black applicants. Mm. Um, anyway, long story short, um, we kind of re-advertised the job, did some headhunting um, and called kind of like everybody that we know in the industry and managed to find the perfect candidate for the job who um, was a black man who had actually worked at the Arts Council and been our relationship manager in the early days. He hadn't been at the Arts Council for, for many years, but he was also one, in, one of the founders of a hip hop group called Black Twang. So is a producer as well, understands music inside out, understands I like, I mean, he was the absolute perfect candidate, candidate yeah. for the job. Um, yeah. And um, so we found our person, but we had to go above and beyond. Mm. And so I sort of feel like, you know, there are, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, there isn't the right black person for the job. Well, I just think, mm -hmm. well, you, you know, if you're really committed to changing the landscape, yeah. you have to sort of go above and beyond to find yeah. those people. And they are out there, but it might, it might take a call because, mm -hmm. you know, one of those people that might be the perfect person for that role might not have thought of applying for that yeah. role. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to take lots of um efforts in lots of different ways to really um change the that that diversity at the top level yeah i see it's the positive action that you took that needs to be taken by other large organizations as well as smaller mediums but uh, that's a really good explanation thanks rachel much appreciated just going back to uh i love live i love live supporting uh, support a lot of emerging artists uh they, they have the artist development program and i just wondered what uh, for anybody listening to this or for listeners what what i love live are looking for in terms of what makes artists stand out for you if you're listening to a recording or if you see them, what encourages you to take them on the programme and nurture their careers? Um, 
I think it, you know, it's really hard to, um, you know, to describe what that thing is um, that makes you kind of know, you know, that somebody um, has got it, if you like. Yeah. Um, I, you know, with the artist development program this year, it was the first time that we had done an open call for people to apply. So mm. traditionally, we have just found the artists through our networks and asked mm. people if they would like to join. And this time we actually decided to do an open call for artists. Um, and I think, I can't remember, I, th I think we had, you know, over 200, over 100 applicants. Mm. And I said to the team, um, you know, get it down to 20 yeah. before you bring, before you bring it to me, basically. So, um, they, you know, that there's kind of various tiers that it goes through. Um, and so there's, there's four other people in the team at I love live and they sort of went through and I think they all, they all, they, we do like a traffic light system, mm -hmm. which is sort of, you know, red is no, Amber is not sure and green is go. Mm. And it's interesting that for the most part across, you know, four different people with different personal tastes, different, you know, uh, vastly differing experiences. You know, Victor's been a producer and, you know, is, is nearer my age and has worked in the industry for a really long time. Mm. Um, you know, whereas our, social media manager is you know 20 and you know just just starting out but you you were you know you there's so much consensus it's always really surprising I always felt like that when I was at I Love Live and we did the open mic you know usually you know crowds get it right it's yeah. like it's really surprising but you know you know nine times out of ten the person that I wanted to win the mo open mic mm. was the person that got the most noise from the audience mm. and I sort of so I kind of believe in that the wisdom of crowds sort of <laughs> philosophy if you like um but yeah so they whittled it down and then we um we all go through it as a team and we you know we listen to the music we look at the visuals we look at what they're doing on social media and um it was really tough because I have to say that the caliber of people that were applying was just insane. I mean, there was so many good people. We, we, we got it down to kind of like a top 10, first of all. And I, you know, I would have been happy taking any of those people. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, we, we couldn't. And, and in the end it was, it was, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of like, well, we really wanted uh, male on the program mm. and we really wanted, uh, you know, somebody who was, you know, a bit more MC. I mean, actually the guy that we took on isn't a complete MC, but you know, he's more of an, he's a sort of MC sing J, you know, he, he does a bit of both mm. um, because we had last year, both of the, people on the program were female singers. So sometimes it's about, okay, we really want to find somebody different. But actually the guy that we took, Zadie, um, I, I, I heard, I think I heard one song and I was just like, no, no, I want him. Straight away anyway, even, you know, even, you know, 
even so without what, yeah what was it in that one song i'm just thinking about people listening and saying how do i get recognized what was it in that one song that that sort of I struck you like that i just found i just found it um it really connected to me it was really emotional um it was really original it felt very different from you know a lot of the other stuff mm. um and um yeah i just i just thought it was i just thought he was brilliant just thought he was brilliant straight away i mean it's really hard and i know everybody wants to know exactly what it is <laughs> i mean with with rue the other the other um uh, artist that we took on you know the strength of her visuals definitely helped because mm -hmm. she was you know she's got such a clear idea of who she is as an artist right. and i think sometimes that really helps if somebody's got a very clear identity and you yeah. can kind of see that just by looking at somebody's kind of instagram account or you know the kind of videos that they're producing you can sort of see if somebody knows who they are and um it's much easier to work with an artist who already knows who they are yeah. you know the music might change but you know you know what are they really like <clears throat> how are they going to project themselves you know what clothes are they wearing you know is it a sort of have they got an identity yeah um yeah. and a lot there's a lot of amazing singers mm. in the world you know really really incredible singers but i think that there is a difference between being a singer and being an artist right okay um so for me it's about yeah it's it's about the music but it's also about somebody having yeah, me, me having a clear, or me understanding their identity as an artist. Mm. And was that the same for Izzy when you, when you heard her? Yeah, and you said, definitely. I've, I've got to have that person. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Izzy, yeah, Izzy knows exactly who she, exactly who she is. And mm. yeah, is, um, yeah, she, she kind of came in and wanted to, you know, sit there and design her own artwork with us. And, you know, the, the first EP that we did to, for her, the cover was a picture of her on a skateboard with her dog running behind that her boyfriend had taken. And do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It was very, yeah, it was, she, she really knew who she, who she was. And obviously, you know, who you are evolves and changes as you, as you progress. Mm. um but yeah with izzy absolutely it was it was crystal clear fantastic that's all really interesting rachel we're, we're pretty pretty well coming to the end now that's gone really quickly uh a couple of final things first of all uh what would you say is the most important thing and you may have sort of touched on it already but the, the most important tip you can give to people listening to build a career in the music business and predominantly we're talking about emerging artists here but there may also be some producers and technicians etc uh listening to this as well what would be your one tip to move ahead in the music industry um well i will uh quote um a very amazing guy uh, who was a mentor to me for many years. Um, his name was Jazz Summers and um, he's got a company called Big Life and he, he wrote an amazing book. Um, in fact, I think the book was, is called Big Life as well and you can get it on Amazon. Um, and um, I managed an artist with him at one point, um, but 
I actually met him sort of in my, I think in my late twenties. Um, I met him on a holiday in Antigua of all places, like not related in the music industry at all. And um, he was a really spiritual guy, taught me how to meditate and became a great mentor to me in the music industry. And, um, and he said to me, Rachel, he said, he said, the secret of success in the music industry is staying in it. <laughs> Excellent. Right. <laughs> he said, if you stay in it long enough, you're going to catch a break. You're going to catch a break. Excellent. So I sort of feel like, um, you know, I thought that that, that was so brilliant. Yeah. Such a, such a, you know, a brilliant quote, because it's about, you know, tenacity and staying power and, yeah. you know, really believing in it. But I, I guess for me, the other, the other thing that I would say is that, you know, if that is the key, and I do think if you stay in it, eventually, yeah. you know, you, you will, you will make it, you'll, you, there will, something will give, but it's how to stay in it and keep, you know, keep afloat. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, it was always about having another income stream so that I could do what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, being a club promoter obviously allowed me to earn money so that I could do other things that I wasn't necessarily yeah. earning money from. So I could sort of fully faddle around, yeah. manage an act, you know, learn some stuff you know maybe have a little bit of a success and then it, you know they get dropped or it doesn't work out and uh, you know and then I invested in property um with my club promotion money when I was quite young and um bought a flat um in Brixton actually for like 75,000 which is now worth just obscene amount of money and took um and then took money out and bought another property at auction so when I first kind of got involved in running I Love Live, I didn't earn any money from I Love Live basically until we became an NPO. Mm. You know, all the money, all the funding that we got went back into actually running I Love Live. Um, and so it's probably about five years, you know, of doing it without really taking anything from it at all. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the property income. So living you know, not very much money. I was living on sort of, you know, having been sort of really successful as a club promoter and earning loads of money. I was kind of living on sort of, you know, 14 or 15 grand a year or something. Mm. But it allowed me to do what I wanted to do, you know, um, uh, and dedicate, you know, obviously the property took a little bit of looking after, but, you know, it meant that I could spend most of my time on, you know, developing I Love Live and developing talent. And yeah, and then that led me back into managing again and you know which is where I kind of wanted to go mm. I just knew that it couldn't just be any act it had to be the right act yeah and you got it and uh, a top tip for keeping physically and mentally fit uh sorry a what a, a top tip for a top tip oh, a top for keeping tip. physically and mentally fit <laughs> meditation 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 I yeah. mean you know it's um I mean, it's an absolute, it's an absolute lifesaver. Um, I just sort of feel, I mean, I, I, I read The Seven Laws to Spiritual Success by Deepak Chopra many, many years ago. And it's been a bit like a Bible to me. And I've meditated on and off ever since Jazz taught me in Antigua. <laughs> um, but it's only really recently that I've really practiced every day. 
and um I feel like that, you know, it's the key to everything. It's the key to everything. It's, you know, it's the key to creating your dreams. It's the key to um, creativity. It gives you the headspace to, you know, step back for a second and look at the bigger picture. Um, yeah, if, that, if that's the only thing you kind of do for your, you know, mental health, then, okay. you, you know, you, 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 want a, you want a good run. Fantastic great thank you so much so if anybody wants to find you rachel where's the best way to uh, connect with you these days either your socials um, or websites What's... oh i just what i've just wor watched the social dilemma on netflix which everybody should watch um i'm not very good on social media it has to be said i've never been very good on social media um but i am on social media you can try and dm me um <laughs> you know some somebody might see it um oh. or you can you can get me through i love live you know that okay. my email address is on i love live website and um yeah right i enjoy seeing your instagram stories with your meditative meditative quotes on there they're always <laughs> very ins very inspiring in the morning so anyway thank you so much rachel it's been fantastic um for anybody listening uh big big thanks to rachel and watch out for our next releasing podcast coming very soon thanks again rachel much appreciated thank, thank you thank you cheers